Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull, and this is the Executive Pill Podcast. You know what today is? <laughs> you guessed it. It's a good day. Today, we have a phenomenal, awesome, blessed, this flying through the air speaker. And I'm so, so excited to bring my good friend um, to, to the table to have a conversation. Um, see, Dr. Sohee Jean is an Amazon bestselling author and the founder and CEO of SJ Consulting, where she serves as a leadership coach a keynote speaker, and leadership development expert. Um, prior to founding SJ Consulting, Sohi served as an executive director of organizational development and change management at the Warner Brothers Entertainment. It's freaking cool, right? <laughs> but, but it doesn't stop there. It never stops there. She has also held internal leadership positions at Countrywide Financial Corporation, and Jacobs Engineering Groups, as well as various HR consulting positions and other industry leaders, such as Washington Mutual. How are you doing today, madam? I am phenomenal. I'm excited <laughs> to be in conversation with you, Alex. <laughs> you you and I have been looking for, I, I know I've been looking forward to this conversation. This is the first time you and I jumped on a, on a phone and just had I think we just like, you're going to have like a 15 minute conversation. And then I ended up, we ended up talking for like two hours and I was on the couch I and, I was, about that. <laughs> and I was twirling my hair and I was just like chewing bubble gum. Like <laughs> I, I'm trying to make the imagery of, you know, a teenage person having a long call with the, you know, the phone with the cord back in the day. With the cord. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm sad because there there is a segment of our viewership and of our listeners who are going to say, "What do you mean a phone with a cord? What do you what do you mean?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, there there were such devices before our <laughs> Google and the iPhone and the Android where we were attached to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so it, it is so wonderful to be here with you again and. If I could just ask you just a random question, because I I do have some pretty random questions I want to throw at you, some random ideas. Um, but first, how are you doing? Is there anything new in your life? Well, yes, I'm doing really well. And I'll say that every day I'm grateful for something. It's a practice that I I try to not only tell my clients about and, and um, do coaching around, but I do embody that, which is there's something grateful that I, there's something I can be grateful for every day. So I'm doing well. And yeah, you know, I um, have a lot of fun projects and fun things that have come to fruition in the past week. You know, I'm giving my first TEDx talk in a month <gasps> and I just lock the content for my second book that will be coming out in October. So there's a lot of good meaty things happening. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I know, I know how much energy and time it takes to write a book. And so this yeah. is, this is huge. Congratulations. Thank you. And I know you're writing one as well. The thing is, 
Um, the other thing outside of gratefulness is I fully believe that what we do can also be fun. So if we frame it in a way that, hey, how am I in service? And also, how is this fun? And how can we make it more fun? Then you just, I think, and firmly believe that there's so much more success that comes from that magically. And um, that's what I found in my own career, that if you're able to have fun through this process that we call work, yeah. Um, why not do that? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. When I, when I sit down and spend hours writing my book, um, I am definitely just having fun as I cry and weep into my shirt. <laughs> and I'm so tired of writing, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, but <laughs> I realize I'm super dramatic. Um, so I, I want to throw at you a, an interesting, what I believe, is an interesting concept. Um, I threw it at my wife the other day, and we had a, a long conversation about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, so I I speak a lot about relationships, and that's what I like to talk about when I'm you know on stages and so on and so forth. And and one of the concepts I like to share and challenge my audience members is on the the fact what I believe is a fact that all relationships are transactional. All relationships are transactional. Let me take a step back, actually. All healthy relationships are transactional. That means that one person is giving of themselves and another person is giving of themselves to the other person. Um, I want to pause and say, do you have any qualms with that definition of, or, or that foundation, I'm saying, that all relationships are bound, uh, built on? So I think that you answered it because where my mind went to automatically is how you define transactional. And if there is a way for you to expand on that, because I, I typically think of transaction as like one for one, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, relationships that are healthy and successful aren't one for one. So I'd love to challenge you on that. Is it a one for one and expand on what transactional looks like? Thank you. We're, this is where I wanted to go because I'm I, again. I'm just this is the idea. I'm, I'm we're playing with it right here. Um, so it's not necessarily one for one, but the point being that in order to have a healthy relationship, both parties should be gaining something of value, um, just as they're giving something of value. So if um, your parents, your parents love you, hopefully most cases, your parents love you because. Mm -hmm. You're providing something of value. You make them happy in some way. Um, you you give them some sort of emotion. Just being you, mm -hmm. you you are um, creating some sort of value in their life. Just as they're creating some sort of value in your life, they're loving you. They're giving you your shoes and and food and so on and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. If you have a spouse, you know a healthy relationship would not be if if one spouse is always giving of him or herself to their to their partner. Um, and their partner never gives anything back, never um, provides anything into the relationship, then that's not a healthy relationship. And I would say, and this is where the, that next level I went, I believe that un, if, if we believe that all relationships need to be transactional in nature, um, then the whole concept of unconditional love is actually not a good thing. Because if you're willing to love someone and give of yourself to someone, for an extended period of time without giving anything back, you're really likely in an abusive relationship or you're in a situation where you're going to keep giving and giving and giving and that person's never going to give anything back to you. Then mm -hmm. you, is, is that a healthy relationship to be in? You know, I, I think that you bring up such an important topic around healthy relationships, right? And I look at it from uh, what's a healthy relationship at work. And of course, we expand that out into the personal 
realm of like friendships and, and love relationships. And, you know, I think that there is a value component to it. Cause what I'm hearing you say about transactional is there's some value to be exchanged, which, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. And to your example of somebody that continues to give and give without reciprocity on the other person's side. For me, and I can speak for myself here, that would feel very much like I, at some point, am being, um, not the, it's not the word used, but just uh, taken advantage of in a certain way. But I think it differs if it's in the context of familiar relationships and you know crossing over to romantic and personal relationships with friends. I believe that there's a lot more room for give there, right? Because how much it's this whole concept of relationship, putting money into the relationship bank that also extends itself to the workplace when you're trying to build relationships at work is that, you know, you have to oftentimes give a lot more up front for the lasting relationship and trust there. Um, but at a certain point that starts to shift and tilt if it's too much one way, which gets to the point of like, is it then um, valuable to you and for how long? So I, these are all very nuanced questions that a person has to ask themselves and also in the workplace as well. And um, at the end of the day, I don't disagree with what you're saying about there has to be um, value. Now, the value looks different for the person and in, in the context that they're in. Yes, exactly. And, 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 that, and I think that's the ultimate point. I think that's the word is value. Um, we're, we're not looking for a, I mean, just if you think about it from a supervisor standpoint, you know, your employees, um, your team members are giving and they're giving a lot um, because generally the supervisor is supervising people who are doing more work. That's, mm -hmm. that's what they're doing. You're supervising. Um, they're giving of themselves to you and the corporation, the organization. And so you may not be giving them on a one-to-one -one because that, that would actually be impossible if you have multiple, multiple staff. But what are yeah. you doing to provide value back down? Are you giving the kudos, right? Are you, are yeah. you saying thank you and just making them feel good? That's still value. It doesn't have to be a dollar. Um, yeah. But what are you doing to add value into someone's life? And then, and then that takes me to the question. I keep going down this line of thinking. Well, yeah. if it's really about value, and then that, I think then we should be asking ourselves what and how can we provide others value? How Absolutely. That is how I have like modeled my life and being. <laughs> so that's what I call out like being in service, right? Mm -hmm. When you and I were talking earlier on, maybe even before we started to record, it's my foundation is built on how can I be in service? And underneath that is the word, how can I bring value to the people I'm interacting? Mm -hmm. And you're right, it isn't one for one. And there's, in my mind, here's my kind of thesis is that there's nothing more valuable than time and energy that you give to somebody, especially mm -hmm. in today's world. Um, and that is absolutely something that I believe is true for leaders too. the time and energy you give to your People, again, might not be one-on-one, -on -one, but it's that yeah, time spent yeah. saying, hey, Alex, you know, what is a value to you? How do you want to grow and develop? How can I serve and support you and bring value to your career journey? Um, so, yeah. You, you, again, I love how we're ripping off each other because you, you just said a key thing. You said, hey, how can I provide value to you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a question that, generally speaking, people forget in every aspect, whether it be inside or outside of the workplace inside of relationships and outside of relationships is what do you value? If, if I give, I, I love using the example when I'm giving talks is, 
hey, you know, I really love um, Goku. And if, if, if you gave me a Goku shirt right now, if, for people who don't know who Goku is, Dragon what Ball Z. Goku? Dra- Dragon Ball the anime. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> become cultured, please. Become culture, cultured. Um, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I love working from you. <laughs> so, if you give me a, a Goku shirt, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so excited. Yeah, but if I give someone who a Goku shirt who doesn't even know what Dragon Ball Z is, they're like, "What is this?" And does that mean that they don't appreciate what I give them? That does that? And should I be upset with them because I'm giving them something that I value, but they don't value? Absolutely not, because it's, it, that, that's not what they value. So they ask them, "What do you value? What would make you happy? What would make you engaged?" And now let's see if I can get that to you. You know. Yes. And so the, the, if I peel it back another layer to be able to add value as a leader or just in any realm of relationship at the end of the day, it is, that is what work and life is about, right? Being in re- relationship with something. Cause otherwise like that just goes against human nature. Like we, we can try to be alone in solitude, but we, we won't get very far. Yeah, so in yeah. connection. And I think the question there is being less a question, but more of being purposeful and intentional, like using that Goku example. If I don't care about it and you handed that to me, I'd be like, okay, does he know me at all? (laughs) Does Alex know me at all? Because I would rather take a, I don't know, give me a mani-pedi session. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for, you know, we're making light of this, but for leaders, I think that's often a miss, which is the intentionality and being purposeful about adding value, right? And that takes energy and the conversation of how do you want to grow? How can I support that? Do we have those experiences in company here? Can we get it for you elsewhere? Especially in, as you know, this Alex, today's market, it is, there are layoffs happening um, across the board and there's still talent that we want to keep that are keeping the engine of our companies running and producing and clients and customers happy. So these are questions that need to be asked and the intention behind it has to be very purposeful. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you can, you make me think we, as we're asking someone what they value, um, here's a very interesting question. And I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I'm going to be quiet for a second. Um, <laughs> the, the, the question is, well, what if they want something, but that's not what they need? Because there's a difference, right? Sometimes people want something, but they really need something else. It, think about it from a, a standpoint of of, a, of let's say a, a mentor, right? Someone who's yeah. mentoring someone who's been where the other person wants to be. And they're like, oh, I want to focus on A, B, and C. And the mentor is like, no, no, no. I understand why you think that, but actually yeah. it's it's X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So how do you decide Ooh. on when to give someone what they want versus what they need? Oh, Alex, I love this question. So let me riff on it this way. I encounter this all the time in my coaching. What I mean by that is, Clients come to me and they go, Dr. Sohi, I need time management skills, strategies, or something else that's really common is I need to know how to have executive presence. That's what they think they need. And underneath that, I'm quickly able to suss out, okay, well, actually, I know that there's some mindset work that needs to happen first. What are your own internal blockers, narratives? all the things that haven't been built to allow you to come across or use your time effectively. So for me, it's a yes and. It's never a this or that. It's a yes, we're going to get to what you think you need and or, or, or the presenting challenge or what you want. 
and I'm going to give you what I think you need that will help that. So I don't live in a world of um, this or that or making one choice for another. I live in a world and I tried to instill this in you know the people I interact with, which is what are the possibilities? And it's a yes and. So in this scenario, yes, we'll tackle the time management issue or the executive presence issue. And we're going to get to the mindset stuff that I know you need. I you and I are kindred spirits. And, and, this, <laughs> and this is why we, we do what we do. Um, I, I I teach a course on um, political savvy and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the different levels of um, power in communication. And there is a, there is a, what was it called? It's a, um, oh, it's called like, I can't, I think, I can't think of the, can't think of the word right now, but yeah. on one side, it's the people who are super practical, like what can get done. And the other side, um, there is the people who are saying, well, this is what the science says. This is what the data says. This is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about those those two types of people because I, I've worked with a lot of people, a lot of engineers and a lot of scientists because I, I, I grew up in the environmental sector. So I work with a lot of people who are really smart. Yeah. And I would see people sometimes, you know, trying to make a case for doing a certain, taking a certain action that I was like, I, I get it. I understand that is the, that is the 100% right thing that needs to be done, but politically not feasible. Yeah. So how do we take, how do we take and say, okay, this is what needs to happen. And we know this is what those politicals want to happen or those leaders want to happen. How do we blend those two together and yes, it maybe doesn't look exactly how you think it should look, but this is something that can get support, that can get funding, that can move forward. Um, I, I think if you get stuck in that either or, because you can't also be on the political side, because if you're only on the political side and you're not focused on what, what the data says, now you're just doing something for for, for optics and how, mm-hmm. how long that really last. So you have to be willing to play in both worlds. So how do you, I mean, I'm curious for you, Alex, how does that play out when you are in conversation with somebody in that mindset and that frame of mind like what what are some of the things that you've done I, I'm just curious oh my god now I'm interviewing you put me, again put me on the spot oh good well I mean honestly now this circles back to what you said the first time um and it's a lot of it is about mindset a mm-hmm. lot of it's about mindset because the question is you know I think a fundamental question is um what is success for you? Is success um, being able to say that you that you did this report, that you did this data, and you created this data, and you you had the right answer? Is that is that the goal? Just to be able to say you had the right answer, or is the goal or success actually implementing something, mm. actually changing the system, actually taking a step further? Now, the, the, you know, a lot of it, if people are honest with themselves, a lot of it comes down to pride. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to have to give up anything on my side. I, they should just understand. They should just get it. But the reality yeah. is, is we don't live in a fairy tale world where people just understand and get it. We have yeah. to be willing to, to make steps forward, especially if you think about, you know, um, for an example, DEI work, right? I do a lot of work, yeah. work with DEI. You're, yeah. you're not going to, you can't, I mean, even organizations who say they're doing it aren't doing it, but you can't just go a, a complete 180 and just, you're gonna, everything now is super inclusive. It, no, it's not realistic. Not, that takes so steps. Disingenuous. It, exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So you know, what would you I, I think too, there's this aspect of when, for me, working with clients, getting them to a place of accepting the and, meaning d living in duality or being a little bit murky and accepting kind of that there's other possibilities. A really big thing that I found is that ability to listen to their concerns first, right? Let me just oh, yeah. strip it back to the basics where a lot of people, you know, even in our field, try to tell people what to do or mm -hmm. force strategies before anybody's really even ready to get there. And I found that when I'm able to step back and go, for example, yeah, yeah, Alex, I hear that. It's really tough. And I can understand why you think that way. There's a level of validation and like allowing the people to feel heard. That is a part of this process of allowing people to be in a world of possibilities and yeah. you know coming up with different solutions or thinking, it's shifting the mindset. Now, let me say that that's not the same thing as agreeing, which is very different. It's mm -hmm. okay. hearing and saying, I, you know, your experience and your line of thinking is valid. I can see that. How about if we tease out, tease that out and there are other possibilities, right? <laughs> You you got us going you got us going into a fiery direction. So look, this is what I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> you you just said some curse words to certain people out there in the ether right now, um, which was <laughs> which is let me listen to you, right? Let me hear your perspective. Um, I was recently involved in a conversation um, where I was sharing the perspective of one. One side of an argument, we'll, we'll go, I'll, I'll keep it super general. One mm -hmm. side of an argument and the person on the other side literally used these words. You don't negotiate with terrorists. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I said, hey, look, if you, if you won't listen and talk to them because you think they're terrorists and they won't listen and talk to you because you think you're terrorists, then no one talks to each other and no one can learn from each other. And, and so where does that leave you? But in, in, um, in conflict, right? And mm -hmm. I, I, I think I think as people, as a society, I think we're gonna have to to cool our jets a little bit, mm -hmm. and be willing to listen to ideas that are not in alignment with ours. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. You don't have to agree. But like you just said, wow. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. This is this is why. Yeah. Okay. 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 And and. And then have the conversation from there, you know? Oh my gosh, Alex, I just, I was like jumping out of my seat as you were saying that, because when we, like when we expand at macro, macro level and all of the things that we all collectively have gone through in the past three years, traumatic, mm -hmm. you know, social unrest, like we haven't seen in long, long, long years. Um, and all of the different movements that happened, I think that there was a like a, a extremism on like not being able to really listen to each other and the trenches got wider and deeper and again not to solve for the world's problems here but if we are to look at it from an individual perspective i i, I always um err on like what can i do to be in service of really trying to understand bridge the gap build a bridge how do we build a bridge so that I at least can come away with a little bit more knowledge, if nothing else. And my hope is that in that interaction, that person is able to hear me as well, right? So there's some of that reciprocity and the value uh, we go back to, the value in this exchange of learning from one another. 
And yeah, I mean, I think that to your point about that comment, we don't negotiate with terrorists. A lot of people do walk around with that perspective and it shows, the energy shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. How how far? We'll take this back to the office. Let's take this back to the office, okay? Yeah. Um, you have someone who is on the other side of the table than you. You just you just do not agree. Um, mm-hmm. And and you're trying to share a different perspective. And how how hard do you push to get them to at least understand or hear you? Is, do, do you do you not give up until they hear you? Or do you say, you know what? You know, I They don't want to listen. It's okay. I'm just going to walk the other way. How do you decide what to do and how far to go? So I think a lot of that has to do with how triggered you are as an individual in the moment, right? So especially when we think about D&I work or being triggered as a leader because your employee is, you know, X, Y, and Z, fill in the, the context. I think, the, again, the work that I do and I so passionately believe in is not only mindset, but how you manage your own triggers. So if in that moment, you're digging in your heels. I got to take a breath or let me use me as an example. If I'm digging in my heels and I got to prove my point, I want them to hear me. I got to take a step back and go, OK, let me take a breath. Like what am, what is my intention and what am I trying to achieve? And is that in service of this current moment? Maybe I got to come back to it and say, I hear you. I'm actually not able to take it in right now the way that I want to. So can we come back to this when I can receive it in a different way? So I encourage clients, and this is the hardest work of all, right? Like looking at our own selves. But, and at the end of the day, I that's what I, I advise, which is how are you centered and grounded in that moment? What is your intention? And if it's not aligning, what's the next best step? You, you know, you just said that. and. All I could think about is how hard that is. Right? Oh, Alex, it's a lifelong <laughs> journey. I'm trying to practice it every day as I coach my clients around it. Let me be fair. <laughs> I, I, I still, and this is, I, I still use this example. I just really liked it. Um, back when I was in college, I was in this, um, it was in this psychology religion class. Hmm. And we were talking about Buddhism and he was saying how the professor was teaching us how change actually happens. Um, and he said he took a um, if you were to, every time you get angry, you 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 pick up something and throw it. Right. That's what you do when you're angry. Well, what happens is, you know, you're trying to make that change. So you pick up something and you throw it you're like 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. And then you do it again. But then maybe maybe instead of 10 minutes later, maybe nine minutes later, you realize oh, I shouldn't. And then you do it again. And then uh, uh, over time, you say, 
you know, you, you, you're just about to throw it and you say, you know what, you know what, that's not who I want to be. And then over time, you, you're thinking about picking up something, but you say, nope, that's not who I am. And so that progression just takes time. And I think it takes us willing to forgive ourselves as we're on that journey, because we're not going to make, a, you're not going to make that, that, that quick U-turn. It just, it doesn't happen, you know? Yes. So I would add two F words. You said forget ourselves, right? It's forget and forgive ourselves, right? Because this, um, and I know, especially for, I work with most of my clientele are high achieving women or the people that I coach. And there's a level of really harshness that we live with in just how we maneuver the world and how we perform, really. Part of it drives us. And I think that there's a, a forgiveness factor in moving forward in a different way. Yeah, I yeah. did that. It was a misstep. Not who I am or who I want to be. Let me try it differently or do it differently next time. So in the moment, it's one. Step one is catching yourself, right? Oh, sh- I didn't want to throw that. I did that. Let me then get quicker to catching myself and choosing a different alternative. That is the hardest work. And, you know, I really resonated what you said about the Buddhist philosophy. I, I'm spiritually Buddhist myself. And um, the part of the principle of that is, you know, trying things out to see how it works. And I really resonate with that type of way of being. Try it out. See how it works. If not, do different. Yeah. 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 I like what Maya Angelou said, right? If you know better, do better. <laughs> if you know better, do better. Um, un- unfortunately, oh man, not getting go- got me going this direction. Um, <laughs> We're going so, all over. I know, but I think it's a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, if you know better, do better. I, I completely agree with that statement. And the other day I was talking to my wife. I talked to my wife a lot, evidently. I hope um, you do. Yeah, right. It's kind of, I don't got to say that, I guess. Um, Relationships <laughs> includes talking to your partner. <laughs> so I, I, I am generally a huge fan of telling people um, that there's no reason to stress out um, because, you know, especially if, if you're a leader in an organization, um, if you're doing the best you can do and you did the best you could do, um, then why worry? Because there's nothing else you could have done. Like you, you gave your best and now there's going to be a, there's something's going to happen and you're going to find a way to deal with that. And so why worry? Because you've done your best. So I say, as long as you, you know, you do the best you could do, um, then, you know, don't worry about it. Cause that's the best you could do. Um, but then I said, you know, what's funny though, is that did you do the best you could do or did you do the best you were willing to do? And those are two different questions, right? Very what? different. <laughs> Very nuanced. I like this, Alex. Well, and to your, you know, if we talk about our goals, if we say what we want to achieve and and we're not there and we're not making progress, is it the world's fault? And it could be, it's, it's very tempting to say it's the world's fault. You know, that person didn't like me. They didn't give me this opportunity because of this, because of that. I'm not where I am. Um, it's another thing to really challenge yourself and say, hey, look, I know these obstacles out here exist. Again, people who you probably see my face already, I'm a black dude. There are obstacles that are out there for me just be simply because I'm a, some would say a large black guy, right? Um, and it'd be really easy for me to say, shoot, I, I can't do anything. 
But I think I have to still challenge myself. Okay, yeah, I know those are out there and I have a goal that I want to achieve. What am I willing to do to get there and hold myself accountable for making those steps, pushing the forward, pushing forward. That is the epitome of intentionality and, you know, accountability for yourself. So it's a yes and yes, there is a world out there that throws things at us that are blockers. I mean, if this is a video thing, I'm a, a, an Asian female and there are things, obstacles, especially in the corporate world for myself too, where the majority of us don't make it in, into the C-suite, right? So there's all of those dynamics at play and how are we holding ourselves accountable to what you're saying? Did I do the absolute best that I could have in the situation and scenario? And then do I forgive myself and move forward and do it in a different way? Those are all very intertwined with each other. And I do think it is very easy to, and I think most of our, us start there. I mean, I know I'm generalizing, Alex, but there is this aspect of the journey where it's like, yeah, it's so-and-so's fault. There is, you know, I don't know a person on this planet that hasn't ever done that. and then. It's the, do you stay stuck in that story or what will you do differently to move forward in a more intentional way where you feel like you have agency? Um, there, there, I, there's a book. I'm just going to reference the title. I've never actually read it, but I just like the title. Um, yeah. <laughs> extreme Ownership. Um, it's just, you know, the, the extreme ownership. It, may, it reminds me of Grant Cardone. Um, he tells a story in one of, I'm not sure which one of his books, maybe, maybe 10X, um, where his electricity, a, a big power outage happened in his community. Electricity went out and like everyone was like out of you know electricity and it's like food went bad and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and he decided he's like, look, you know, do I could I blame the county for this? Could I blame whoever, you know, set up the, the wires the way they were? He said, absolutely. Um, I could also say, you know what, I need to buy a generator. So mm -hmm. this will never happen to me again. And so that's what he did. He decided to Take responsibility for it, even though it wasn't it wasn't him who did it. He said, "What can I do to better my situation?" And which was buy a generator. And so now he has a generator. And that's just again a simple example, but again, it's that being intentionality, the, the, the intentionality behind it, as well as the. I, I think for me, I always just say, I refuse not to reach my goals. I, I'm yeah. not going to let anyone stop me from reaching my goals, as long as it's legal, ethical, and moral. <laughs> those are my things. Let me make sure I put it out there because someone can say, Alice is going to rob a bank. No, Alice is not doing that. Um, no. <laughs> but no. I refuse to allow anyone to stop me from reaching my goals. And so I'm going to find another way to get there. Yeah. You know, I, this is why we're friends. I live in that world too, where, you know, I have goals and visions and it's really about how can I have fun along the way? What are the possibilities and how can I be in service as I do this? Um, and the example that you sh just shared about, you know, the guy getting the generator rather than blaming, I think that that goes to the example that we talked about where if you're in a conversation and you're trying to get somebody to hear you again, like stepping back and saying, okay, how, am, how am I in this interchange, what can I do differently? And then if you've exhausted that only you will know the boundaries, right? You know, what boundaries are, you know, yours in terms of that interaction and where you don't want to be pushed and how far you've been pushed and all that. So I think though, you know, I'm just bringing it back, but yeah, <laughs> and they're all very intertwined. We, we have gone so many whole circles within this conversation. I, I feel like it is the, the multiverse. See, that's my Ant-Man reference. Um, so <laughs> I love the multiverse. <laughs> 
my kid, I have three kids and they also get the whole concept and <laughs> through them, I understood, oh, multiverse. <laughs> You, you, you know, um, I, I know we're, we're going to start wrapping up really soon, but can I ask you just a, a, a maybe a weird question, but it just popped in my mind when you mentioned your, your little ones. Um, but again, I'm going to say the question and I'm going to blab my mouth so you can think about it if you need to, and then I'm going to be quiet. Um, okay, so we're going to do this. One, two, three. So what is something that your kids have taught you, like something important? that your kids have taught you recently um, or even reminded you recently. So you can think if you need to think for a second. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about um, that, that, uh, that Ant-Man movie. It was a very interesting movie. And uh, yeah, we should take a look at it. I'm not, you know, I should get them to sponsor me. Okay, going back to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get them to sponsor Let's do that. Let's make that a goal. How fun. <laughs> My kids, so for context and for the listeners, I have three of them. And the oldest is 13. My middle is 11. And my youngest is eight. So, <clears throat> you know, very different ages, different stages of life. And what they continuously teach me is of the intentionality of the interaction. And and by that, I mean, they're all at different phases and they have all different needs. And yes, as a parent, I'm a single parent, you know, I uh, do my best. And sometimes I do broad sweeps of like, oh, your brother got it, so everybody gets it type of thing. And what I'm always reminded of is they have their own unique needs. So how can I meet them where they're at, which, oh, by the way, helps me with my coaching clients because they are all very unique and nuanced in their challenges as well, even though there's some commonalities, right? So that is a constant reminder for me, Alex. I mean, they obviously keep me on my toes. They're, you know, pushing me to be better, to be the best version of myself. So I appreciate that from them. Although sometimes in the moment doesn't feel that way because I'll get annoyed and irritated as all parents do at some point. (laughs) Um, But I think the biggest lesson currently and that this evolves is the uh, distinction that one is a pre or teenager and he has very different needs than my 11 year old daughter who is still very much loving me and wants to be with me. And my eight year old who's just like, play some Uno with me, mom. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, my wife and I have been really loving this show, which ended um, a few weeks ago. So if you ever get a chance, it's called um, the parent test. It's on Hulu. And it is a really, oh my God, it's so interesting. Why? Um, So, so they took all these different families from across the country, um, America, and um, they all had different parenting styles. Like there's the discipline style, there's the achievement style, there's the helicopter style, like all the different styles of parenting. And they put their family in different situations to see how they would deal with those situations. Um, You know, put their kids in a situation where someone might come up to that, come to them and say, hey, you want some candy? Like how do their kids deal with stranger danger or how their kids deal with so on and so forth um, with difficult situations. And you see how these different families um, react in their different styles um, lead to success or maybe lack, less, lack, than, lack of success. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a cool show. And we kind of thought about our styles, how our parenting styles will be. And what we ultimately said was, you know what? It sounds good to have styles because you, you do have your style. You do have your personality. But it is also contingent on the personalities of your kids, right? Mm. Um, if, if, if you, maybe you're like a disciplined person, 
And maybe you don't like discipline. Maybe you're free range, but if that your kid requires discipline, they need that discipline to help them yeah. function, then you'll become more of a disciplined person. It doesn't mean you're gonna be super disciplined, but you may become more disciplined. But if the kid is already structured and they're they're good on their own, then you may become more free range and let the kid do more because they that's how their personality is. And so it it, it reminds me full circle back to when we're talking about leaders. Um, you know, you are unique as a leader, every single one of you, you are unique. You have a, your own personality, your own style. And what's going to happen if you're doing this effectively is you're going to tweak your style just a little bit here, just a little bit there, just a little bit here for each of your employees, because they need something different. And then the last thing I'm going to say for this, and I'm going to let you respond is that's the same thing, you know, for all of you coaches and other people who do what, what me and so he do, people are buying, people hire us because of who we are. There's a lot of people who do speaking. There's a lot of people who do consulting, a lot of people who do coaching, but they're not Sohi. They're not Alex. They like what we specifically bring to the table. They like Mm -hmm. our personality, the way we deliver it. That doesn't mean someone else can't do it differently, but it's what we, who we are, which is what the organization wants. And please feel free to push back on any of that if you want to. Oh, I I want to add to that, which is this concept for me and lending, taking the example of, you know, being specific with the children or kid in your life and at work, you know, what's, what I call that is situational leadership. It's the concept of taking the unique individual and that's on your team and adjusting a little bit, using your own superpowers and showing up authentically and adjusting the needs to the employee that you're talking to. So it's very similar. And this is why I say, when I coach clients about their workplace challenges, oh, the side benefit is they can use that stuff at home too. So they're all very interrelated and I absolutely agree with you. Um, and Alex, I just have loved this conversation. Me too. And again, I'm so sad we have to come to an end, but I do want to ask you, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience as we begin to wrap up? Yeah, you know, I they, I want them to find me, connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I obviously come to my website and I think you'll have all this information and please be on the lookout for my second book that will be dropping in October. I love how you said dropping it. It makes me think of like you dropping an album. Now I'm thinking about you rapping. So we'll, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. If you've been watching on YouTube, thank you for watching and seeing these cool, awesome, good looking people, both of us um, being here to talk about some cool stuff. Hey, um, you know where I'm going with this. If you found anything of value, don't just look back, reach back. Bring someone else to the table. Click the like, click the share. Share this with someone to say, hey, look, you know, this hit me a certain way. And I think you, you will also benefit and learn and grow from this content. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.